Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 40. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $325 and LTB coins are trading at 0.000279 cents. Hey, does anyone know of a better way to say that? It seems like a lot of zeros in there. Anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett, here with my trusty dog, Maxwell. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking about Bitcoins and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, I am privileged to have back on the show Jonathan Chester, the co-founder, chief strategic officer, and compliance officer with BitWage. BitWage offers a future for payroll that has never been seen in the history of the world. Jonathan explains to us the details of how with BitWage, employees can now get paid in Bitcoin whether or not their employers even know or care about Bitcoin. BitWage is the first company to offer this amazing and innovative service for people who want to get paid part or all of the wages they earn in Bitcoin. Today on the show, I welcome back Jonathan Chester, who is the CSO that is the Chief Strategic Officer and Co-Founder of BitWage. BitWage, the future of payroll. Jonathan Chester, welcome back to Bitcoins and Gravy. Yeah, it's great to be back. Always uh, always love hearing your voice, John. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, man. And uh, let's see here. So I'm going to read something that's on your homepage of your site. It says, Bitwage provides unparalleled payroll efficiency by leveraging blockchain technologies to reduce cost and increase transfer speeds. That is heavy stuff, man. Tell me more. These are just some of the benefits of doing like a full Bitcoin payroll. I'm not sure if you heard a little while back, about a couple of weeks ago, we partnered with a, a firm called Gochetto Financials. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, so they're allowing us to be able to do you know the full payroll tax calculations, withholdings, all that good stuff in-house uh, on one platform. So we'll actually be able to allow companies to do full Bitcoin payrolls, which means you don't have to pay your employees four days before they get their money. You can just do it at that moment. A lot of good attributes coming out because of that. Okay, so Jonathan, where do you want to start? I know you have a lot of things you want to talk about, and you have some special event, I believe, coming up this Monday. So ready, set, go. So we are releasing a new product. This is Bitcoin Payroll for the Individual. We call this BPI. And what this means is that anyone who wants to get paid in Bitcoins to receive a Bitcoin wage can do it, regardless of whether or not their employer signs up to our system. Well, wow. if your employer offers direct deposits, which most employers offer at this point, there's really no need to evangelize the employer anymore. They don't have to know about Bitcoin. You just need to switch your bank account to a bank account that happens to be Bitcoin friendly. And you can choose what percentage you want at any point in time of your net payroll to go into this and be converted into Bitcoins straight to whatever wallet that you want to use. So if somebody wanted to, they could just say, I want to have 50% of my income going into my account in cash or USD and 50% in Bitcoin. Now you said a bank account that is Bitcoin friendly. How do you find a bank that's Bitcoin friendly? How do you know? 
we've figured out the bank that's Bitcoin friendly already, right? We've opened the bank accounts. We've talked with the branch managers there. So we ourselves are not actually engaging in the actual conversion of the Bitcoins. They feel a lot more comfortable with us because what we're doing is we're aggregating dollars and we're passing it to partner Bitcoin exchange. Currently it's Buttercoin and we'll be working with several other exchanges in the future. And the reason to work with several different exchanges is so that at any point in time, we can figure out for you what is the best Bitcoin price and get you that best Bitcoin price. Okay. Before you might just rely on one particular vendor, whether it's Coinbase or Bitstamp or whatever, we'll do the shopping around for you. So on payday, you get the best Bitcoins there are. So the way it works right now is you go to your payroll provider, whether this is Zen Payroll, ADP, Trinet, you know, there's a whole range of different payroll providers out right, there. Right. But uh, a lot of them, most of them have employee portals. So you go into the employee portal and you can put in your bank account and usually they'll have at least two different slots for that, right? One for your savings account and one for your checking account. And most people don't take advantage of these features. So what you're able to do is you can have one amount, some percentage of your net pay go directly to your checking account and the other percentage go to our account. Okay. Uh, when the money comes into our account, we will get ACH credits and we aggregate all those credits. We send a wire transfer to our partner exchange and the next day what happens is the ACH credits, the description of them will come through. So it'll say, you know, John from Bitcoins and Gravy. So we'll be able to associate the dollar amount to that. And at that point, we convert the dollars into Bitcoins and immediately send it to the employees. So there's no volatility risk over there. Hey, that's great, man. There's three really exciting aspects to Bitcoin payroll for the individual that I'd like to talk about. You know, the first is now, right, you can live your life in Bitcoin regardless of your employer. So you're an employee who's just interested in maybe checking out Bitcoin. So you put in 1%, 10%, 25% as an investment. You no longer need your employer to actually onboard you through this entire system. Mm -hmm. You also no longer need to give out your bank account information to the Bitcoin exchanges because this system that we use circumvents the process of needing to have your bank account to do an ACH debit. I see. So it basically reduces the need to have a bank account. So you can actually live your life outside of the traditional financial system. You actually can move into the crypto world fully and totally. In the United States alone, you've got 10 million unbanked. And these people, when they get paid, right now they've got two choices, right? They either get a check or they get a prepaid card. You have a check, you got to cash that check. Without a bank account, you're losing probably around 3%. Mm -hmm. With the prepaid cards, you have a series of fees associated with this, right? Depending on the card you have, you could have just initiation fees, monthly fees, point of sale fees, cash withdrawal fees, balance inquiry fees, transaction statement fees, customer service fees. Right, so needless to say, people are fed up with all of these fees. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we're creating, we're creating a new way for you to get paid. It's like a new alternative for these people who are unbanked and or underbanked for one reason or another. You know, maybe they defaulted and they're not allowed to have a bank account. Maybe they're just in an area that doesn't have any banks around. Right. Whatever it is, these people don't have bank accounts and they're getting taken advantage of 
for these reasons. Now, of course, the first thing that somebody's going to ask when you bring up the subject of people being taken advantage of, because we all know that in many ways we are taken advantage of it. You know, that's the history of the world. Those people who have power or the bankers, they take advantage of the little guy. That's just the way that it is. Why it's that way? I have no idea. I guess because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? That's a simplistic way of looking at it. But on that subject, someone's going to ask, well, wait a minute. 1%, one percent. Let's say they start out and like, I'm going to try this company out. I'm going to see what happens. Just I'm just going to do one percent right now. How do they know, or what assurance do they have that you're not going to run with their money? Obviously, if you ran with a couple of people's money, people would talk about it. It'd be all over the internet, and you guys would be done. But still, you know, we're seeing this happen. We're seeing, for instance, uh, what was it, Bitcoin Trader? <laughs> they went busting. You know, I haven't gotten the full details on that. I'm still waiting for one of my inside guys to come up with some information, but. You know, in a sense, it kind of looks like they absconded with people's money. So, how do you assure people that you're not going to be one of those bad players, bad actors? Right. So, first of all, we're very, very transparent. We'll let you know where our bitcoins are coming from. We can let you know the entire process from A to Z of how it all works. And at the end of the day, you know, we are actually a transactional service. We're not holding your bitcoins. All it is is money comes in. And then immediately comes out and sends you. There might be a 24-hour period for this to happen, but unlike a lot of these wallet services and these exchanges where you're holding your bitcoins on their services for a very long time, mm-hmm. we are just purely, you know, a 24-hour circle to get dollars to a partner exchange to send to you. On top of that, you know, we just entered the plug and play accelerator so we have a little bit of backing on that side we have investors and incubators behind us i see do you want to talk about that there's going to be a write-up on that a little bit later okay but uh in short we just accepted the plug and play invite so that we are now working inside of the incubator down here in sunnyvale okay let me it's a nice nice change of pace let me pause you right there so you just accepted the plug and play invite right i promise you of all the listeners listening on the last show we had over fifteen thousand listeners i guarantee you there's at least a thousand people that have no idea what plug and play invite means (laughs) okay okay (laughs) so help us help out those thousand people (laughs) you're right so plug and play is an accelerator or an incubator kind of like y combinator okay or 500 startups or Mm -hmm. even boost vc okay so what these incubators do is they get a bunch of promising startups together uh, they give them some amount of initial funding and then they may also give additional funding on top of that and they give you three to five months sometimes longer sometimes less and they sit you down they get you in front of different audiences different corporate partnerships different investors and you sit down you work in an environment with several other startups both in bitcoin and outside of bitcoin and you really get to take advantage of a communal startup environment that kind of reminds me of a show called shark tank i don't watch tv but i've seen it at a friend's house where they take a young entrepreneur and they put them in front of a shark tank of investors and uh, venture capitalists and see how they do so the venture capitalists, the sharks, either rip them to shreds um, or they think that their idea has uh, merit and they invest in them. Yeah, so uh, think of Shark uh, Yeah, it's similar to Shark Tank, but it's basically Shark Tank done over and over and over again. So you have a three-month process and you're put in front of different types of individuals, whether it is investors, again, corporate partnerships, 
other startups that could work together with. And so each time you get in front of one of these people, there is a chance to build a, a relationship for the future. Like for instance, integrating with another payroll provider, you know, getting deeper relationships with one of the big banks or, you know, talking to an investor. Right before the interview, actually, I sat in front of an investor and the guy running the program says, pitch. And it's like, all right, let's go. Wow. And at the end of everything, what they do is they actually put you in a demo day where you're in front of 800 different investors and you pitch and demo your product to be able to sort of uh, spread your, your reach in the investor community. I see. Now, where are you all in that process? Yeah, so we just started a couple weeks ago. So we're, we're still in the beginning of this process. And right now, they're helping us build our corporate partnership structure right now so that in the future, you can see Bitwage combining with a big name payroll provider. I can't really say names yet, mm -hmm. um, but things are staying. Nice. Yep. Well, that's exciting stuff. So you just started really, you just got into the fish tank or the, the shark tank rather. And yeah, uh, exactly. you, you're hoping you can make it through, like you got to make it to this one point and the next point and the next point. I mean, obviously, if you're there, it sounds to me like people are already taking you seriously and you already have a bank that you're working with, right? Are you actually working with a bank that you can name like it's Regions Bank or First Tennessee or Bank of America? I'm not ready to announce this yet. We're working with one big bank and then three smaller banks at the same time. And we're talking about the smaller banks because we have a, a more intimate relationship with these guys. Mm -hmm. And for some of our future products that will be coming out, it will be integral to have the full backing of a bank. As I talked about in my interview with Cointelegraph, for us, a very core segment of the population, both in the United States and around the world, are, are the unbanked and the underbanked, right? Mm -hmm. This is why we got into Bitcoin. This is why we decided to do Bitcoin payroll because Bitcoin payroll is the most scalable way to actually get modern financial tools to people that don't have bank accounts. And so the future products that will be coming out in the next year will be related to that. Speaking of which, one particular aspect of BPI uh, I had not discussed yet mm -hmm. that would be interesting to note is that of receiving international contractor payments. Okay. So... What do I mean by that? So now, if you take the example of uh, an international contractor out in the Philippines, and they want to get paid for maybe doing some graphic design work, right now, the option that you have as an employer is to send them money through the banking system or Western Union. You know, it sort of depends on what kind of financial tools they have for receiving the payments on the other side. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it all, it, it's probably going to cost around $45 and 2 to 3% for the money to get from the United States to the Philippines. And that's, that's a lot of money um, being lost. Uh, on average, you're looking at an 8% an uh, loss during this sort of remittance process. Wow. And yeah. with this new Bitcoin payroll for the individual, you can now have access to the Bitcoin system as the underlying protocol to move the money and have a U.S. bank to receive the U.S. dollar amount. So what that means is that employer wants to pay their international contractor. They pay maybe through the ACH to our bank account. And the way that works is instead of paying $45, you're paying maybe 30 cents for that ACH transaction to happen. And then we at Bitwage can facilitate the movement of Bitcoin from US to the Philippines 
And by the end of the year, we'll actually be able to have Filipino pesos come out on the other side as well. Wow, that's really cool. You know, it seems to me like when we interviewed, which was going back at least six months, yep. we were still in a time, and I think we're still there, but we were still in a time when banks were really hesitant to have anything to do with Bitcoin. And, you know, there are many cases still where banks find out that somebody is dealing in Bitcoin um, or, you know, that they have a Coinbase account or that they have any association or affiliation with anything to do with Bitcoin and they close the person's account. It seems to me like banks are opening their minds a little bit or maybe they are uh, becoming less fearful. Maybe they are realizing that they can deal with Bitcoin customers and not get in trouble with the feds. What's your take on that? Why Why are we now seeing a little bit more of an open door policy uh, from bankers and from banks? A lot of bankers, at least on the, on the consumer level, they see it as less of a risk because they know who the consumer is. If they know who you are, they know that when you're receiving bitcoins, it's it's not that much of a big deal, and they're starting to to understand that. But that being said, a lot of wallets that are not AML, BSA, you know, FinCEN regulated are are still looked down upon. And the word bitcoin is not a very, for lack of a better way of saying it, sexy word to the bankers. Um, I've talked with a lot of different big banks and. Many of them are still afraid of opening bank accounts for Bitcoin businesses. And it's really these smaller banks that are trying to get an edge and understand, you know, where they can fit into the financial ecosystem. You know, with with the new regulations that have come out, you know, you're going to end up seeing a lot of wallet services that are going to have to go and become FinCEN regulated or slowly die off or move to other countries. And what may or may not happen, depending on where regulation goes, you'll have like blacklisted wallets, which is not the greatest thing in the world for the unbanked and the underbanked. If you want to, you know, be within the U.S. financial system, sometimes there are some sacrifices that need to be made. You know, there are still many Bitcoin users who want to retain their anonymity completely, right? So um, they're looking at dark wallet. They're looking at a lot of different options that. Uh, are not regulated, a lot of different options that do not force them to rely on a bank, for instance. So I know when I talk to people like this, and I talk to all kinds of people in the Bitcoin world, uh, you know, from crypto anarchists to libertarians to people who are just ready to comply with any regulation that comes down the pike, but I do keep hearing from a certain percentage of people that they don't want to be seen, they don't want anybody to know what they're doing with Bitcoin, and they want to be as anonymous as possible. So the big thing that they keep talking about is, how can I use Bitcoin, how can I buy and sell Bitcoin through local Bitcoin or wherever, and use the on-ramps and the off-ramps effectively. Where are the off-ramps I keep hearing people talk about? In other words, I may be able to buy Bitcoin from somebody, but where do I go to actually be able to take this Bitcoin and turn it into U.S. dollars or turn it into gold and actually use it without going through a bank, without going through Coinbase, without going through some other business? How can I use Bitcoin you know, to my heart's content and still remain anonymous. You know, for me personally, that's not that important. I'm not one of those people, but there are millions of people like that. What do you say to those people? Well, I was just speaking to Juan Lanos, who is one of the founders of BitReserve and the head compliance guy over there. And he's been talking with the with the government and understanding, you know, where regulation is going. And, you know, one thing that he told me is that in not just the United States, but the global 
financial standard as it is now. Like in Europe, in China, in the United States, and everywhere, they actually all agree that financial transactions cannot be anonymous. So it's not just the U.S. Uh, and so that's a battle. That's a battle. Yeah, I think that future that you just described, I mean, it's the present and the future. That's exactly that's exactly how it's going to be. Of the major world powers, they don't want there to be a country. Everybody knows, hey, just go over to this country and you can do everything financial completely anonymously. Well, then everybody's going to rush to that country or be working through that country and governments will tell you, well, we can't have that. But you know, what does happen is that Bitcoin and the people who want to use Bitcoin anonymously, um, that becomes more and more anti-fragile, if you've heard that term, so that as time goes by and governments say, no, you have to be transparent, we have to know who you are, as the government continues to say that to people in the Bitcoin world who believe in a new paradigm of anonymity and of decentralized power, what happens is that this paradigm becomes gets stronger and stronger over time. It, it becomes more and more anti-fragile, and that is the you know anonymity that some Bitcoin users say that they really feel is the most important or one of the most important things about Bitcoin. Of course, we know right now in the world, as far as under-the-table transactions, you know something like 40% of all transactions between individuals are done under the table. You know, so when somebody comes and somebody cuts somebody else's lawn, well, you pay Jimmy to cut your lawn. On, you pay him 20 bucks. Well, usually Jimmy doesn't go and report that, right? How many plumbers will work? How many carpenters will work? How many day laborers will work under the table for cash? And then when you get to the open air markets of the world, when you get to the areas where the massive bazaars and markets thrive, not even talking about open bazaar, which is going to be a decentralized eBay of sorts, but when you talk mm -hmm. about still in the real world 3D people trading, we still have a massive number of people. You know, again, it's like 40% of the transactions are hand-to-hand. -hand. I'm going to give you a little bit of gold, or I'm going to trade you a little bit of this for a little bit of that. Well, you know, you trade a sack of beans for a sack of rice. Well, what if the sack of beans, according to the current price of beans, has a greater value than the sack of rice? Well, then doesn't that person that traded, don't they have to show that difference and write that down and pay a tax on that because they got a little bit more value because the sack of beans was actually worth 10% more than the sack of rice. <laughs> Those are the <laughs> kinds of things that if governments could get their hands on that and make sure that they got a piece of that 10% between the sack of rice and the sack of bean transaction, they would. We know that they would, but the fact of the matter is they can't. You know, And as time goes by, with these decentralized marketplaces that are coming up, it will become more and more difficult for governments to control that on so many different levels. So, you know, that's what the government has to contend with. But, of course, we know, just like you're saying, that it is important. You know, it really is important for us not to just have a free-for-all in the world when it comes to money. You know, taxes do need to be paid. We do have to pay taxes. We're being taxed to death. You know, it's criminal how much we're being taxed here and abroad and everywhere, but we still have to pay some taxes to, you know, support infrastructure and all of that to be able to live in a place. So I think that what you're saying is absolutely true as far as the future, the countries or the localities or whatever that would say it's going to be a free for all. 
they're going to have sanctions leveled against them, right? And if it's a country, they're going to have embargoes and everything to make it difficult for these countries until they comply with what the world uh, leadership says. But anyway, look, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I digress, and I think we should probably get back to talking about Bitwage before somebody out there gets mad at me for digressing. I have a bad habit of doing that, uh, getting on my soapbox. So anyway, let's continue on with Bitwage. You have a grand Bitwage event coming up Monday, which I believe is the same day that this show is going to air, right? Correct. Yeah. So at Bitwage, we're releasing our Bitcoin payroll for the individual. This is a product that will allow anyone to get paid in Bitcoin regardless of their employer, whether their employer likes Bitcoin or hates Bitcoin, whether their employer is 10,000 people strong or just as five people, doesn't matter. You can get paid in Bitcoin. You can live a Bitcoin life with this service. You can, if you want to, circumvent the current or rather the traditional financial structure. And you will be able to live in a, in a world where transactions just are faster, are easier, are cheaper. And the value of your money you know, in the long term actually goes up instead of down. We are the first formal Bitcoin payroll service. Uh, we've been out. We've been doing payroll since July. Uh, we, we have customers such as Coinsider and Changedip running payrolls through our system. And, and actually, what, what we've developed is a, a zero-click Bitcoin payroll system, right? So if the employer actually wants to offer Bitcoins to their employees, they do not have to press a single button. They don't even have to know about Bitcoin. So you have, let's say, a bunch of employees who want to be paid in Bitcoin. And sure, maybe they'll they'll use our BPI service, but eventually maybe they want their employer to offer it as a benefit to maybe help the employer recruit other you know smart, future-looking individuals uh, mm-hmm. that are interested in the Bitcoin space. The employer doesn't need to know anything about Bitcoin. It's so simple that they don't have to press a single button. Once they get onboarded, it becomes totally employee-driven, which is sort of been able to help us mold our BPI product on top of that. Okay. A couple cool things to add on top of that. Straight from our system, you'll actually be able to file your capital gains through our partnership with Gachetto Financials. We will be able to, straight from the place where you get your payrolls, you press a, a single button. It allows you to make your capital gains form and then press another button and we'll file it for you. So just nice, simple, and easy one-stop shop for all your Bitcoin needs. Now, what is the company that's helping you do that? Uh, Gachetto Financials is our, our partner institution. They're small tax accounting and and payroll for over in New York. G-O-C-H-E-T-O Financials. Okay, so what else, man? Some of the more exciting things that we're coming out with right by the end of the year, we'll have fully transparent U.S. to Filipino peso payments. And so, you know, you can either take advantage of this as an employer and onboard the system to pay Filipino employees very easily or as just a contractor in the Philippines to be able to accept it at any point in time. Much cheaper, much faster, much easier. And in early 2015, we will be expanding these services to other countries. And we've got five or six countries on the list to, to come out very shortly. How did you decide to start with the Philippines? Actually, the way we start with that is we had a couple customers who were interested in doing that. They came to us and said, hey, we'd like to pay our Filipino contractors. And so we decided to start moving on that. And if you look at the four biggest countries for remittances, uh, you have Mexico, you have India, you have um, Brazil. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, and you have Philippines. Isn't China in there too? China might be in there as well. But the number four biggest remittance is the Philippines. I think in the Philippines, there are a high percentage of people that are into Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there are. You can actually have banks over there that will do conversions for that. The question is, how do you create a system that can reach as many Filipinos as possible? Because although there are a lot of banks that will do the conversions, there are not a lot of banked people in the Philippines. And so it's just a just a matter of how do you actually reach these people. You know, the people in the Philippines, because the economy is so difficult at times in certain areas uh, in much of the Philippines, the people there are so incredibly business savvy and they really know how to take a very small amount of something and turn it into what they need. They're very good at trading. Um, so I think they have taken, the Filipino people have taken to Bitcoin very readily because they are smart enough to see the value of it. Uh, you know, and this is going to sound horrible this is going to sound horribly prejudiced, but, you know, when I get on customer service, you know, with whatever company that I need to yell at because they're trying to screw me, whether it's, you know, one of these big companies, I won't even mention them, um, you know, Verizon or something, for instance, <laughs> I always say a little prayer, you know, as the phone is ringing or as I'm on hold, dear Lord, please let me get a Filipino. <laughs> I know that sounds horrible because my experience just over the past two years has been that I'm going to get better customer service now from the Philippines than I'm going to get from the United States. I'm also not going to get any attitude, you know, and if I need mm -hmm. to do a little bit of yelling, you know, I always tell them, hey, you know, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling through you at your company, but you're the only one that's here to, you know, your company won't hear me. The big wigs at the top, the CEOs aren't going to hear me. So please accept my yelling at you just for a few minutes and please don't take it personally. And they're very nice. They say, oh, no problem at all. Please feel free to yell at us, you know, whereas your average American, they're going to pull some kind of an attitude, you know, like, sir, I'm going to have to get my supervisor if you continue to talk to me in this way it's like come on lady i have the right to yell at somebody don't i you're screwing me here anyway <laughs> um so anyway so jonathan we're going to wrap it up here in a few minutes what are some really important things that you want our listeners to know about bitwage right so um it's important to understand you know most of these products and services that we're coming out with is all focused on the unbanked the underbanked how can we actually get modern financial tools to the people that need it most. And so you'll be seeing a lot of interesting tools out there that will be bringing these automatic you know, savings and budgeting and investing tools coming out, some real-time payroll type aspects and some international payroll type aspects being built into our system as we grow. But for now, one thing to know is that we've got the easiest Bitcoin payroll system zero-click Bitcoin payrolls for the employer, totally employee-driven. And even if your employer doesn't want to sign up, you can get Bitcoin payroll. Man, that's pretty nice. The last time I talked to you, I don't think you had anything like that at all. And now you're offering that. And I think that's great because any employee out there who wants to be paid in Bitcoin, 10%, 20%, or 100%, right? Mm -hmm. They can get paid now in Bitcoin, as long as I think the caveat is that they're being paid through a payroll company, right? Right. So uh, we are working on the solution where we can actually accept checks and pay out. Oh, wow. The main issue there is if we're not vetting out the employer to know that the employer themselves are legitimate, we need to, because of these new regulations, we still need to, I guess, receive money from a, a FinCEN registered entity. When we receive checks, there's just going to have to be a different process for the employees who want Bitcoins and for us to receive checks for them. I see. But it's coming out. We're working on it. 
And it's an important market to look to because, again, we're trying to figure out how to bring modern financial tools to the people that need it most. And a lot of those people accept checks right now. And so we want to be able to give these people an alternative to having to get their check and lose 3% to the check cashing agency. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's great that you're offering that. And you know, I love to hear about any project that is helping the unbanked, any project that is helping people who just do not have access to the financial systems that we all have access to today. I would love to hear that BitWage at some point down the road, I think it's going to take a little while, but I would love to hear that you all are helping in the battle against these check cashing places that have um, spread across the country like syphilis in a platoon or something, you know, (laughs) because really, you know, this predatory lending, you know, you drive down Gallatin Road here in East Nashville and people tend to think, oh, this road is kind of scummy. You've got these kind of scummy businesses and you've got the check cashing businesses. They're probably fly by night businesses owned by, you know, guys that wear turbans or something. You know, the the people have these weird paranoid thoughts in mind. It's like, no, well, you find out, you look it up. Oh, these are owned by Wells Fargo. This particular brand or branch is owned by Bank of America. You find out that these big banks are owning these small check cashing places, this predatory lending. So we can really say that from the top down, you know, there's this predatory lending going on in the United States. And it sounds to me like BitWage is something that could really help that and help employees out. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to at least make a dent in the check cashing and and payday loan industry. We're trying to create systems where essentially people who don't have banks, can't have banks, don't want banks, can still have these modern financial tools that a lot of people have. And and the trick is, is to figure out how can you make it totally transparent? Right? How do you make it so that these unbanked people actually get use of these tools and don't know what's going on underneath? These check cashing industries and payday loan industries, you know, they really take advantage of the unbanked. And our goal here is to give the unbanked and underbanked the modern financial tools to be able to not have to be taken advantage of anymore. Mm -hmm. The real question is, how do we make this totally transparent? Because currently the unbanked and the underbanked, if you were to go to them and say, hey, you know, receive your payments in Bitcoin. Sure, in, in Argentina, or in Venezuela, or maybe even in like Ukraine, where there's lots of inflation and volatility going on, it looks like a, a pretty good idea. You go to someone in the United States, they themselves would be worried about whether or not their cash pool in the course of 24 hours be worth nothing. Right. And so for the United States and these developed countries, you need to figure out how can you make it a true like transparent end-to-end system where we're using tools like Bitcoin to be able to facilitate the ability to give them modern financial tools. Right. You know, it's funny, modern financial tools in developed countries, you know, we're living in a what we call a developed country. So we have lots of things that have developed, you know, in terms of subway systems and in terms of electrical grid and in terms of financial systems. But the one thing that's not developing well enough is the human brain. <laughs> you know, in these mm-hmm. developed countries, it seems like the human brains are underdeveloped, you know, for some reason. And it seems like it's almost going in the opposite direction, you know, where you talk to people, you talk talk to young people and sometimes it's not that they don't have a well-formed opinion about something it's that they don't have any opinion about something mm-hmm. you know when i talk to people sometimes it scares me if i talk to middle-aged or older people they always have an opinion but sometimes mm-hmm. young people it's as if their brains have not developed fully and actually in terms of physiology of it their brains actually do not fully develop until they're in their 30s but still you know i think there was a time when young people certainly um had 
strong opinions, maybe even just going back to the 60s and 70s. And now it seems to me like we have a deficit of developed <laughs> developed <laughs> minds here and opinions. But, you know, maybe that's just because I'm a middle-aged guy and I just see things that way. I remember years ago reading a book that was written by a writer in ancient Greece. And this writer was saying the same thing. These damn kids these days. And I think that's I think that's hilarious. The whole book was about how he felt like, you know, ancient Greece was falling apart because kids had no respect for their elders and all these other things. So, you know, hey, we're always going to say that thing generation after generation. And I guess there's no stopping that. But again, I digress. But Jonathan Chester, man, it has been great talking with you. Um, and I think that we're going to have to do this thing at least a couple times a year, maybe once every six months. We'll get back with you about BitWage again, right? And find out what other progress you've made and uh, in the Bitcoin world. And I'm sure that you guys are going to continue to succeed as you are succeeding. This is exciting stuff. Yeah. Like I said before, I love hearing your voice, John. So I'm definitely excited to come back and let you in on all the different developments I will be having over the next few months. And trust me, there will be some very exciting ones coming soon. Man, that's great stuff. So one more thing. Can you tell our listeners how they can find you? Oh, yeah. So the two best ways to get in contact with us is either bitwage.co and you can sign up on the site. You can go to uh, the chat window and send a chat or you can you know, email us through the various contact forums. Also, go and follow us on Twitter. You know, it's just twitter.com slash bitwage, and we'll be keeping you up with all the all the most up-to-date knowledge there is on uh, the front of Bitwage and how we're helping Unbanked. All right, how we're helping the Unbanked. We've been listening to Jonathan Chester, the co-founder and chief strategic officer for Bitwage. Bitwage, the future of payroll. Jonathan, thank you so much once again for being on Bitcoins and Gravy. Yeah, thank you, John, and thank you, everyone, on Bitcoins and Gravy for uh, having me. Oh, that was great, man. Hey, and uh, say hello to Sunnyvale, California for us, will you? Oh, yeah. I'll be enjoying the sun for quite a bit. Enjoying the sun in Sunnyvale. All right. Hey, Jonathan, thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you. Uh -huh. Bye-bye. Today, the magic word is wage. W-A-G-E, as in, I work hard at Walmart, but still I am not earning a living wage. Or, as in the sentence, if we continue to wage war for profit, our country will be broke and a lot of innocent young soldiers and civilians will be dead. Today's magic word is wage. And a special email came in the other day from Ryan. Ryan writes, your Bitcoin song is glorious, your voice uplifting. Any chance you would be willing to try out for The Voice performing that song? I reckon your listeners would help crowdfund you getting there. <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you very much uh, for such a huge compliment. Sincerely, thank you. Uh, but somehow I don't see the judges on that show appreciating Ode to Satoshi very much. Um, maybe I'm wrong. It's just my take on it. But anyway, I actually watched that show last year when I was back home in Indiana visiting family, and I admit that it would be fun to be uh, a part of that um, the voice insanity, but <laughs> actually I would much rather have people crowdfund a beach vacation for me. Um, I've always wanted to go to Belize. Uh, I've also always wanted to go to Hawaii. So that would probably be my first choice if anyone's going to crowdfund anything for me. Anyway, Ryan, thanks again for a great compliment and thanks for listening to Bitcoins and Gravy. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, 
Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be He gave us all a protocol this world had never seen A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain. A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh Lord, pass me some more I was out in California recently visiting family, and I came across an article in the San Francisco Chronicle in their business report section. Is that what it's called? Let's see here. Business report. Yes. Title of the article is Double Dip Apple Pay Error Hits B of A Users. B of A is Bank of America. Uh, This is by Elizabeth Dexheimer and Tim Higgins. About 1,000 Bank of America Corporation debit transactions on Apple Inc.'s new mobile payment system were mistakenly duplicated. Quote, We apologize for the inconvenience and are correcting this issue immediately, and all duplicates will be refunded, said Tara Burke, a spokeswoman for the Charlotte, North Carolina Bank. Burke declined to say how many accounts were affected or on what network the transactions were processed. The error was attributed to a processing mistake that occurred between the bank and at least one payment network, according to a person familiar with the matter who asked not to be identified because details of the malfunction aren't public. 
<laughs> they didn't want anybody to beat them up, I guess. Anyway, continuing on. The issue was being resolved Wednesday, the person said. We are aware of a Bank of America issue impacting a very small number of Apple Pay users, said Trudy Muller, a spokeswoman for Cupertino's Apple. They're working on a fix that will be available shortly and reversing any duplicate transactions. Mm, mm, mm. Now that's crazy. And you know what it reminds me of? The old double spend, right? Now, wasn't that problem solved when Bitcoin came along and, and blockchain technology, the double spend? But now, wait a minute. Apple's having a problem with the double spend? Apple, what's going on? Why don't you use blockchain technology? It's a public ledger. It's a decentralized... Ah, uh, never mind. I got two words to say. Apple schmapple. Oh, by the way, uh, my brother and I did a test uh, between the Galaxy S5, my current phone, and his iPhone, and we agree, and the other people we were with agree, that the Galaxy S5, compared to the new iPhone, the Galaxy S5 has a better camera. It has a better video camera, and it has a better regular camera. So that is something to think about when you're trying to decide which phone to buy next. John Barrett, that's me with Bitcoins and Gravy, highly recommends the Galaxy S5 as a superior phone to the iPhone. And no, um, they're not paying me to say that. You know, I really should take a minute to say that I do this show on a volunteer basis. I get a little bit of tips and it does help to keep coffee in the kettle, but I would love to have sponsors for the show. I would love to have a few advertisers on the show. So if you're a Bitcoin startup, if you're a small business, um, or if you're, you know, the guys that make the Galaxy S5, <laughs> I would love to have you as a sponsor on the show. I would love to have you advertise a 30 second or a 60 second spot. I can create those spots for you. I can read your copy if you'd like for me to, or you can create your own ad in your own studio and and uh, send that my way. Consider that I have between eight to 15,000 listeners each week, and that's a conservative estimate. So something to think about, it would benefit you as far as your business, getting the word out there, and it would also benefit me because then I would be able to take that vacation to Belize or Hawaii that I'm desperately in need of. So if you're looking for an easy way to get a hold of me, just email me at howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. That's howdy, like howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. I'd like to thank my guest on today's show, Jonathan Chester, the co-founder, chief strategic officer, and compliance officer with Bitwage. Bitwage provides unparalleled payroll efficiency by leveraging blockchain technologies to reduce cost and increase transfer speeds. Bitwage, the future of payroll. For more information about Bitwage, go to bitwage.co. To find out more about my guests and sponsors, check out the show notes on the Let's Talk Bitcoin page, on SoundCloud, or on bitcoinsandgravy.com. Thanks for tuning into the show, and if you really do like the show and you aren't just faking it, please tell your friends about it or send them a link to the show. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call Bitcoins and Gravy at 615-208-5198 and leave a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your chance to give me a piece of your mind and tell me what you really think about the show. 
<laughs> and if you give me your permission, I will put your call-in comments on the show. And of course, I offer a number of ways for you to download all of the past podcasts. You can go to letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from SoundCloud, or you can go to the website, which of course is bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review on SoundCloud. And remember, it's your reviews and comments that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great podcasts, articles, and links that can be found on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. I also thank you for your generous donations in Bitcoin or Litecoin that help me keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell. Say goodbye, Maxwell. <laughs> Wishing you all a great week. Y'all be good to each other out there now, and remember the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. I have a friend who has um, a small Bitcoin business, and she's very concerned about Apple Pay. She's worried that Apple Pay will bite into Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not concerned at all. I think Apple Pay is fantastic. I think Apple Pay is going to lead the way. Uh, and familiarizing people with the concept of digital wallets um, and is going to uh, pioneer and then fuel the deployment of critical infrastructure technologies like NFC and point of sale, technologies that Bitcoin can use to deliver a far superior, frictionless, decentralized, bank-free uh, experience without all of the legacy problems of the banking system. Apple Pay takes all of the legacy problems and then adds a layer of will you accept these terms and conditions from iTunes uh, attitude to it. <laughs> and so, you know, after you've accepted the terms and conditions um, for the 150th time uh, and uh, you're still in the middle of a battle of control between incumbents, as we've already seen between currency and Apple Pay. Currency is the system that a lot of the retailers are trying to promote to do direct uh, ACH from bank accounts in the US. Uh, many of the pharmacies have now turned off NFC because they're, they're getting into a turf war with Apple Pay. You know, these are all representatives of um, the intermediaries of a system that is full of intermediaries trying to duke it out uh, in a way that doesn't serve the consumer. And the bottom line is that what Apple Pay does is it takes the same identity-heavy, identity-laden, insecure, fraud-sensitive uh, fraud uh, uh, terminal tokens and, and user tokens and simply changes the way you transmit them. Uh, that's all it does, but it takes all of the same disadvantages of a pull-based, debt-based, credit-based, identity-laden infrastructure and just tweaks it a tiny bit. There's nothing revolutionary about Apple Pay. This isn't the iPhone of payment systems. Uh, you know, this is the flip phone of payment systems. It's the same old with a slight twist. Bitcoin can take the very same technology um, and with consumers familiarized with this type of digital payments, uh, it can introduce them to the benefits of a push-based, uh, decentralized architecture, identity-free, safe, 
and uh, much faster consumer-friendly, consumer-centric payments network that is global, transnational, and empowering from day one. Um, and when you juxtapose the closed proprietary network with the open, open source, people-empowering network, I don't have any doubt in my mind as to which wins. You know, there's a reason Android has 84% of the market and iOS has, um, you know, 16% of the market. There's a reason why open source systems are winning. There's a reason why the internet beat CompuServe. Apple is doing the CompuServe and AOL of payment systems, a walled garden with carefully manicured and uh, curated content uh, of the very same old payment mechanisms. And we're going to use the exact same infrastructure once people get familiar with it to deliver them the full-blown, real-deal internet experience. And when people got familiar with CompuServe, it helped them understand the power of email. And then once they had that, they wanted the real deal. They wanted the internet. They didn't want the walled garden. Um, furthermore, if you believe as I do, the Bitcoin is the engine that empowers a financial revolution of global economic inclusion that brings economic inclusion to the other six billion, that delivers financial services to every corner of the world in a way that empowers billions of people. That's not going to happen on iPhones and iOS. That's going to happen on cheap-ass Android devices and text messaging networks. Uh, and that's going to happen on Bitcoin. Don't worry about Apple Pay. Apple Pay will help us get there faster. Hi, Andreas. Uh, going back to what you said about bringing uh, you know, financial services to those that are unbanked or banked, uh, there are thousands of money service businesses in North America, and I'm wondering what you think of partnering with them to enable them to offer Bitcoin services. I think what you're going to see is uh, something that happens in many industries where you have a power law distribution. Um, a Pareto distribution, which basically means that you have two or three very, very large incumbents who control the vast majority of the market, and then you have a few hundred tiny, tiny players who play operate on the fringes. Now, normally those players cannot compete with the existing incumbents. You have the big 800-pound gorillas, the Western Unions and the MoneyGrams and the uh, JP Morgan Chases and all of those companies sitting in the center and eating most of the market. But what you'll be surprised to find, as you already know, there are hundreds and around the world thousands of money service bureaus that serve very, very particular constituencies that do remittances across very narrow corridors. You know, not you know, U.S. to developing nations, but uh, East London to northern New Delhi corridors, that kind of thing, uh, which are very specific to communities. Now, these, um, these competitors cannot compete against the large incumbents unless they have a secret weapon, unless they have uh, a technology that is disruptive that they can wield against the incumbents and disrupt the hell out of their business. And what you see uh, in these types of circumstances is that um, the industry keeps uh, this outwardly facing 
uh, air of calm and certainty and dismissal and ridicule for this new little scrappy technology that's nipping at their heels. Just like the telecom companies, the large phone companies were like, well, you know, this little internet thing is just a bunch of nerds with ponytails and they're never going to deliver quality telephony. And, you know, people want the quality and assurance that is developed, delivered by Ma Bell and AT&T. Um, and we're not going to get scared by this inferior uh, decentralized network that's nipping at our heels. Well, the first people who break from that herd are the smaller competitors who say, well, you know what? I'm not beating you on funding. I'm not beating you on scale. I'm not beating you on operations. I'm not beating you on economic efficiency. And I'm not beating you on economies of scale. So I'm going to just grab this little disruptive technology and, you know, um, compete with that and beat you over the head with it. And they do. The first, uh, the first telecoms to break ranks and start building service providers and become ISPs and take advantage of voice over IP were the tiny scrappy little telecoms and they got ridiculed. And uh, some of them are still around today and are behemoths worth billions of dollars, but eventually even the big guys had to turn around and change their tune. Uh, I think you'll see that curve in technology happen again and again. And as you said, there are thousands of little money service bureaus um, that can use Bitcoin as a frictionless uh, wire transfer system that connects corridors of opportunity in the remittances market. And they can use that to very effectively compete against the incumbents. And over time, they're going to figure that out. Uh, and then you're going to see a, a very different playing field. I think the same thing is going to happen with small banks. You know, just the other, maybe a month ago, Citibank announced that it was pulling out of 11 countries in terms of consumer banking services. Uh, the big banks don't want to do checking and savings anymore. They don't want to do consumer banking. It's expensive, and there's all this riffraff that comes into your offices every day, and they have demands for customer service and respect and and, and you know all kinds of things like that. Well, screw them. We can get a trillion dollars from the Fed for doing nothing. Why should we serve those customers? So you know the big banks have pulled out of consumer banking. Meanwhile, there's thousands of consumer-focused banks, especially in the developing world, who are serving communities who look at Bitcoin and they don't think you know this is a threat. They they see it as a way to expand services to communities that are underserved. And they're going to start adopting Bitcoin too uh, and filling in the gaps where consumer checking and savings are areas that the, the big banks are, are frankly uh, too big to care about anymore. So you know, you're seeing these really interesting dynamics. Um, Bitcoin injects competition into markets that have been ossified and static for so long uh, that by the time they figure out what's going on here, they won't know what hit them.